This podcast is brought to you by Audible. Have you been wanting to read more, but don't seem to have the time? Well, with Audible, you can read your books without having to find the extra time in your busy schedule. Stuck in traffic on your way home from work? Why not marathon the Harry Potter books? In the gym and want to learn about the First Lady? Well, you can listen to Becoming Michelle Obama while doing Leg Day. And if you go to audibletrial.com cultivate, you get a month free of Audible. That includes one credit that you can trade in for any audiobook of your choice, access to thousands of audiobooks free to listen to with your account, and best of all, you have access to all of your favorite podcasts in the app as well. So be sure to go to my link, audibletrial.com cultivate. That's C-U-L-T-I-V, the number eight, to sign up for a free month of Audible and start reading today. Thank you, Audible, for supporting the show. Hi, Fred. My name is Josh Shell, host of the Let's Start a Cult podcast, the only podcast host to now work with other podcasts to expand his grift. That's right. <laughs> Let's Start a Cult, along with some amazing other shows, have started the Cultivate Podcast Network. Shows in this network besides this one include Reddit on Wiki, E Old Crime, Weird Distractions Podcast, Shots and Thoughts, Pineapple Pizza Podcast, and The Dumbfound Dead. This means some amazing collaborations coming in the future, but that is not all. The Cultivate Podcast Network also has a Patreon where you can go to support your favorite shows. If you go to patreon.com slash cultivate podcast network, that's cultivate spelled C-U-L-T-I-V-8 podcast network. If you sign up, you will get access to episodes from this show a week early and ad free, as well as some awesome bonus content from some of our other shows. So if you want to listen to Scientology part two after this episode, be sure to go to patreon.com slash cultivate podcast network and sign up. Now, with that grift out of the way, it's time to introduce my guests for today. That rhymed, actually. I didn't even mean that. (laughs) (laughs) They are from one of the amazing podcasts joining the network, Weird Distractions Podcast, the podcast that discusses anything from true crime, paranormal stories, and conspiracy theories. If you need a weird distraction from your everyday life, they are the podcast for you. Please welcome Alex and Christy. How are you guys doing? Hello. We are doing fabulous and amongst these unprecedented times, I guess we could say. (laughs) That is fair. Yeah, we've gone into lockdown again, which is super fun. Love Ontario. (laughs) Did we actually? Probably. Yeah, basically. It's like, don't see anyone. (laughs) Don't do anything. Basically. Other than that, how were your holidays? Well, mine are just starting. So Okay, well, that's good. Christy over here is living her best life. I'm back to work. I am questioning everything. Life's great. Um, <laughs> no, fun. they were good. Qualities are good. I always hate that like weird limbo between Christmas and New Year's, though, where nobody knows what's going on. Nobody really wants to talk to you. Everyone's yeah. Kind what's of the date? And what what yeah. day is it today? Yeah, I think it's like no one knows what date is. I'm like, I think today no is one. Tuesday. No, it's Thursday. <laughs> no, it's Thursday. Is it really though? Time is a made up construct, anyways. So. We're going down the dark rabbit hole at the beginning <laughs> yeah. of this this year. <laughs> start low. Yeah, Aim high. yeah, you know, if you start low, your you expectations. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's exactly. Uh, that's my goal for 2022. Because yes, twenty twenty one, I started off positive and it <laughs> shot me down real quick. So, and here we are. <laughs> here we are. Another Need year. Here. Another variant. Uh, exactly. <laughs> well, with that doom and gloom out of the way, let's jump in today's topic. In today's episode of Let's Start a Cult, we will be discussing the Church of Scientology a group founded in the 1950s by a science fiction writer who created a system of self-improvement and spiritual awakening. Thanks to his innate charisma, he managed to turn his ideas into an actual religion, one that now boasts millions of members across the globe. In part two of this episode, we will be diving deeper into the Church of Scientology, breaking down its recruitment and propaganda tactics to figure out how exactly it recruited high-profile figures like Tom Cruise, John Travolta, and Elizabeth Moss. We will also take a look at how it operates and how it became officially accepted as a religion. Now, I feel I know the answer to this, but uh, do you know about the Church of Scientology? <laughs> I would say I know like the topic, but like other than like Tom Cruise, I don't really know what Scientology is. <laughs> I over here know little bits and pieces from Leo Remini because mm-hmm. I went down a YouTube kind of portal. Yeah. <laughs> so I know the premise of it, but I don't know all the nitty gritty details of it. Okay. Well, that's good. Now, are you guys worried 
Tom Cruise is going to hunt us down after this episode. <laughs> yes. Alex always worries to do this topic because she's like, someone's going to come for us. And I was like, yeah, okay, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. have yet to discuss it on our show because of my fear of Tom Cruise. Okay. Well, that's, yeah, he is a scary, tiny man. Um. <laughs> a tiny, angry, couch-jumping man. I don't yeah, want to deal yeah. with that. Now, I don't know if he knows where Canada is on a map, so we might be safe. <laughs> Very <laughs> uh, true. But that is a good point. Like I've had many people on and Scientology has obviously come up on my show many times and they're all very nervous to mention it. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't think they'll do anything like they're. No, I mean, <laughs> I think it's yeah. just those fears that you hear when people that have left Scientology, when they start talking mm. about their experiences, you know, oh, you, I lost my job. I lost my relationship. Ruined my yeah. life. Yeah. yeah, basically. <laughs> basically, and yeah. I, I don't know if because we're not in that cult, if we would be targeted. Because mm. I feel as if, if you're an ex-member, it's an issue. If you're not a member... They don't really care. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, or, or if you don't hold any power. I don't think we hold any power. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think we're safe. We're safe, I, I believe. So let's, let's actually start by diving into the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. L. Ron Hubbard. Ooh, okay. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's a fun... Fun guy. <laughs> <laughs> so excited. <laughs> Lafayette Ronald Hubbard was born on March 13, 1911 in Tilden, Nebraska. He was an only child, which is the first red flag. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> his father, Harry Ross, was a naval officer, while his mother, Ladora May, worked as a school teacher. When he was two, his parents decided to move to Helena, Montana, and it was here where he would spend the majority of his childhood. Since Hubbard's father was with the U.S. Navy, he was frequently deployed to faraway countries such as China, Guam, and Japan. Whether his son accompanied him on these trips remains unclear. However, sources claim that Hubbard lived with his grandparents in Montana while his parents were abroad. I'm not sure where his mother was because she was a school teacher, but I guess yeah, she just went yeah. along with him. <laughs> I don't know. That's, yeah, that's kind of... Yeah, she was like, disappeared? Like, what? Yeah, she's <laughs> like, you know what? I don't want to be around kids. <laughs> you know, child, just like, bye. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I teach kids on a daily. I don't want to deal with my own at home. <laughs> yeah, so it you, seems excessive. You can go with your grandparents, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After high school, Hubbard decided to take up civil engineering at George Washington University in Washington, D.C., but his poor academic performance forced him to drop out in his second year. With no job opportunities due to his lack of a college degree, he decided to turn to creative writing, penning science fiction and horror stories for pulp magazines. He only earned a penny a word, though, which meant that he had to submit a ton of work to earn enough money to live on. That sounds like hard work. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm like, oh, 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 ouch, okay. Yeah, at that point, I just I would just write gibberish and then send it in. Yeah. <laughs> just, I, you know... Hello, like a thousand times. So many yeah. verbs, so many descriptive words. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when you have a, when you're writing an essay for class and you have like the, the word count that you have to get to and you just oh, put a yes. bunch of like filler. <laughs> in. Yeah. Google other words other than because. <laughs> yeah. Fancy big words <laughs> to use in essay. Or, or you just turn the text to, to white. And then yes. you add that in. So it counts <laughs> towards yeah. the text, but you're just putting in gibberish. Yes. I didn't so do that if my teachers are listening. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely never happened. Uh, nope. Can't, can't, can't say. Relate. Yeah, can't relate to that. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. So interestingly enough, this led to Hubbard earning the Guinness World Record for having the highest number of stories translated and published. He even became well-known in literary circles that included authors like Isaac Asimov, that's a name. <laughs> uh, and Robert Heinlein, both of whom are regarded as pioneers of the science fiction genre. Given the popularity of Hubbard's work, it didn't take long for Hollywood to notice his creative genius. His story, Murder at Pirate Castle, served as the basis for the 1936 film, The Secret of Treasure Island, which was what? directed... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know this either until I started diving into it. Yeah, that's insane. I didn't... I, I'm Other than his connection to Scientology, never heard of this man. Couldn't... Yeah, he has no. a ton of books and like short stories of, of science fiction. And I read a couple... I took science fiction as like a, an elective class in one of my college courses. And he has a lot. <laughs> like it's, it's quite wow. a few. If you're writing a penny per word, I'd write a lot. Yeah, no <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, the, I mean, the amazing thing, like it is obviously a lot of garbage stuff. It's like 
but some Stephen. good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Stephen King. You just throw enough stuff at the wall. Good stuff is oh, going to come yeah. out. right? <laughs> exactly. So there are some, some flops, but there are quite a few good stories he has. So I would definitely beyond the Scientology, go, go recommend some of his, some of his books. <laughs> you know, when judge is a treasure Island, like a well-known movie, Christy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like back in the day, right? Like it's not for like '90s, '80s kids, probably. probably Yeah, apparently, culture's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Use every yourself as being the uncultured one. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Got that out of the way. (laughs) That's okay. That's okay. You know, the further you are from Scientology, I think the safer you are. I'm safer. It's fine. fine. yeah, Yeah, exactly. Hubbard would later claim that he also helped write the script for The Stagecoach, a Western directed by John Ford and released in 1939. However, his name doesn't appear anywhere in the credits. So I don't know if it's just something he said a lot, but... Yeah, he just kind of claimed it once and was like, yeah, no, no, I did that. I I definitely, I definitely did that. (laughs) Yeah, guys, I was there. I I was in the room when you said that that name. So uh, it counts. I, I was breathing the same air as everybody else was <laughs> in that time. So I'm yeah. therefore a part of it. I lived in Hollywood when this movie came out. It, basically, I was in it. So <laughs> yeah, that, That's how it works in Hollywood, I bet. Yeah, yeah, I think so. In April 1933, Hubbard married Margaret Grub, Grub something like that, oh. a glider pilot who preferred to go by her nickname, Polly. Interesting. Yeah, Polly Pirate. I think that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. The couple soon welcomed two children, a son named after his father, but was called Nibs. Which, no. Yeah. Mm, I don't. Like the actual name is Nibs? No. I, <laughs> no, that's just what they called him. <laughs> he, was, oh. he was named after L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> oh. But they just called him Nibs for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe he really liked the candy. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine you have a, a dope-ass mom whose name is Pirate Polly as a... like. And then, and then your nibs. And your nibs. Your, your nibs. <laughs> oh, that poor child. So unfortunate. They so also had a daughter who was clearly the favorite one because her name was Catherine May, and they just called her Catherine probably. <laughs> Hubbard and Polly's marriage was strained, though, thanks to Hubbard's unstable source of income and his wife's suspicion that he was engaging in extramarital affairs. That'll do it. Yeah, her suspicions were well-founded, though, and her husband was known for being a flirt and a serial cheater. Which, no, I hate those. Must, yeah. Yeah. That must mean he cheated a lot, right? To be classified as a serial cheater. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if there's anything bad in this world, it's to be a serial of anything, right? Serial killer, serial, serial dater. Yeah. Serial a serial mascot. I know what you did, Tony the Tiger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you bastard. Yeah, so so not good. Clearly not not a good relationship. But he has many we will get into. <laughs> oh, great. I can yeah. only imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hubbard's career as a writer was interrupted by America's entry into World War II. And I <laughs> I like to imagine he was annoyed by it. He's like, God damn it, I can't write anymore. There's a war. Where <laughs> the inconvenience at all. Yeah, it's so inconvenient. <laughs> so he decided to follow in his father's footsteps and joined the Navy Reserve in 1941. While he was made a lieutenant upon the recommendation of his congressman, he received no other awards. Later, though, Hubbard would paint himself as a decorated war hero who helped create the United States Air Force and struck down a large number of enemy ships. He even said that he was left physically disabled at the end of the war. But as noted in the website History 101, quote, In reality, Hubbard never saw combat, never won any medals, and was good enough health to begin working on a variety of stories and novels, that would define his public persona before he created Scientology, end quote. So oh. he basically just stolen stolen valor. <laughs> it's just the worst already. I mean, we yeah. haven't even been talking about him from that long. And it's like, oh, you're the equivalent of like a, a Kyle or a Chad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just very, you know, claims to do everything, claims to be the one that is uh, I just I I don't I don't like I don't vibe with that I don't vibe yeah, with just, it. Yeah, just an air of self-importance that uh, yeah is uncalled for because he's just a poor writer. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't do anything else. He's a damn penny writer for freak's yeah. sake. So who cheats on his wife a lot? Yeah. <laughs> so Hubbard's marriage deteriorated even further after World War II. Later, he would say that his entire family had abandoned him due to his disabilities. 
However, his daughter, Catherine, claimed that her mother actually refused to relocate to Los Angeles, California, where her father was staying at the time. He, on the other hand, didn't want to move back to Washington, and so the two went their separate ways. Which, fair enough. Yeah, I, it's kind of weird in those situations. Like, wouldn't you just try and meet in the middle? But I'm, he's already a piece <laughs> of shit, so it's like, you know what? My mother. Yeah, this is my out. I'm taking it. See ya. Yeah. I was going to say, if I was her, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even... Yeah, yeah. if you want to leave, that's that's okay. Sometime in the mid-1940s, Hubbard became involved with 21-year-old Sarah Northrup, the girlfriend of Jack Parsons, a rocket propulsion researcher and founder of the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Yeah, so Hubbard had moved in with him after separating from his wife, and the two developed a close friendship. So close that Parsons didn't even bat an eye when Hubbard began having sex with his girlfriend. What? Which is not the kind of friendship I want. No, I, no, ew. That's too friendly. I don't like. Way too friendly, yeah. Way too friendly. That that (laughs) makes me uncomfortable in so many different levels. But you got to wonder how, like, charismatic, I guess. Like, how how do you convince someone to do that? And be okay okay with with it. it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand that. I mean, I feel like I almost (laughs) need to look up a picture of him because this guy's got to be. Either slaying something or he's got to be look like really good looking. Yeah, he was a decent looking guy up until later in life. He smoked a lot, so his teeth were not great near the end of his life. And he was very obese. (laughs) They went downhill a little fast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So maybe in his younger years, he was uh, a heartthrob. But it is still weird. Like, this is something you'd expect from like the 70s where people just share partners and stuff. You know, it's the... The decade of love, but it's the mid forties, which is very, I feel conservative and and like, yeah, yeah you know what very I mean. True. Yeah, you don't yeah. You, you don't do that. I mean, even having an affair publicly sh- demonstrated or whatever would be very taboo. You'd be yeah. very like underground something going on. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's true too. Yeah. So besides his uh, his relationship. During this time, Hubbard also became involved with Ordo Templi Orentis, a secretive black magic cult founded by a group of German occultists. Among its members was an English novelist, Alistair Crowley, who believed himself a divine prophet and even founded a religious movement called Thelma. Yeah, he's interesting. I kind of want to talk about him someday because he's a very different individual. I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. researching this episode i definitely like looking into this i want to do this episode on on this cult i think it would be kind of cool so yes there's a lot come, to it you can come on for that episode and we can talk trash about alistair crowley <laughs> i'm in you're in yeah you're in the inner circle now <laughs> in august 1946 hubbard married northrup despite still being married to his first wife and stealing northrup from his best friend <laughs> so it was only the following year that Polly actually learned the news and began initiating divorce proceedings. Oh. So I guess they separated, but never actually did the divorce, which isn't uncommon, I feel, but... No. Um, I feel like you waited a long time, though. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a good to do it, right? Like, if you just separate, it's, you know, you, you get to live your own life without having to pay for a lawyer to I guess split so. everything up. But then it True. makes it a little bit messy, right? Mm-hmm. Especially if you want to remarry. Yeah. I feel back in the day, it was probably more of a taboo for a woman to initiate the divorce proceedings. You know what I oh, mean? Oh, yeah, yeah so, I can see that. Oh, a thousand percent. So I feel it had to take him getting married to someone else for her to actually push for that. So the divorce was messy, though, as as Alex usually <laughs> 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 is. <laughs> a guest. <laughs> um, with Polly alleging that Hubbard had subjected her to, quote, systematic torture, beatings, strangulation, and scientific torture experiments, Ooh. end quote. Oh, my. Yeah. Okay. Uh, any guesses of what scientific torture would be? Scientific torture? What was your guess? Try to clone her? Yeah. Yeah, it was a little like, science experiment route of something weird. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like keeping it sexual? I don't know. I don't, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Probably. Experiments? I don't. I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want to know. But Probably are you something gross. Oh, no, okay. I'm not. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> It, that's that was her quote. Um, they didn't, and well, not from my findings. I couldn't find anything that delved deeper. Not that I wanted to, really. It was probably gross. Probably, and you know, a terrible thing to happen. 
But in the end, their marriage was dissolved and she was granted full custody of their two children. So Nibs and Catherine can live a happy life away from their dad. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Their own portrait from them. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he got his real name back. You never know. (laughs) (laughs) After the divorce was finalized, Hubbard and his new wife moved around first to Laguana Beach in California, then to Georgia before settling in Elizabeth, New Jersey. It was there that he would begin writing what would later serve as the basis of the Church of Scientology. Ooh. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. He'll sound bored. Like- <laughs> <laughs> I need sound effects. Damn it. Right? We all do. Yeah. We all, we, this is the consistent conversation we have on our show. We need like sound effects, soundboard, something. Something. Yeah, true. I have a soundboard. I don't think there's anything on it that would work for this, though. Let's let's try. Um, you know oh. what? Oh. <laughs> Sure, we'll we'll go with that. I like okay. it. It's, it's a squeaky wheel, and you know what? I feel that's that's this guy in a nutshell. <laughs> it's a squeaky. Like, I thought it was a cricket, but that, that oh, works too. I was gonna say. <laughs> you know what? He can also be a cricket. Yeah, pretty, yeah. It's very annoying. They're annoying and useless. So it's great. That's fair. Yeah, they are very loud and annoying. Uh, <laughs> so in New Jersey, Hubbard began collecting concepts from Eastern religions and modern psychology combining them into a system for mental health that he called Dianetics, a name derived from the Greek word for thought. He claimed that this was a program of self-improvement and spiritual awakening that was capable of curing all mental and physical ailments, allowing the person to gain superhuman powers. So, no. 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 <laughs> no. I, as someone that works in mental health, no. Oh, <laughs> no. Uh, that's too bad. I thought if I, thought if I uh, saw a shrink, I would become unstoppable, but... You'd think that. You'd think that. I mean, I'm sure there's people out there that do think that. Then they come and see me for broken stuff. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They go see a psychiatrist, jump off a roof, then go see Christy for an x-ray, basically. Wow. Circle. (laughs) Circle. It's full circle. circle. Yeah. You guys uh, will never be out of a job. (laughs) Never. (laughs) No. (laughs) So this system is explained by Business Insider as, quote, The basic principles in Dianetics is that the brain records every experience and event in a person's life, good or bad. The bad experiences are referred to as enagrams, which could hurt supposedly a person if they're triggered later in life. By carrying out or auditing, being asked very personal questions by a trained auditor, the person can be cleared of an enagram, leading to being clear, which is perfect with the... Sorry, this is very... Poorly worded. Very tidy and like, Yeah, it's by Business Insider. So it's just that makes sense. Gobbledygook. (laughs) So being clear, which is a perfectly functioning mind, end quote. So it sounds like just basic going to a a psychiatrist, I guess it would be like, but not trained psychologists, just auditors. Yeah, it's basically, to me, it sounds like, okay, you know what, if you go to these people and say, these are all the bad experiences in my life, and then learn how to remove those memories, it's almost like a repression. True. But yeah, as far as my understanding, there's no actual formal therapy where you learn how to repress your thoughts. That's kind of like a bra- <laughs> brain's own doing. To right. like hypnotize somebody to like bury stuff. Ooh. Yeah. But even then, I mean, everything always comes back up to the surface. I don't know. Cognitive hmm. speech. But I mean, that's a, that's a thought. That's a, yeah. that's a very intense way of going about it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just like a, a mindset. If, if you go talk yeah. to someone and they're like, you're cleared, you're healthy now. Maybe that even talking about some of your experiences and then being told that you're okay. Maybe that is even a positive effect on people. You know what I mean? Definitely. Yeah. And I can, I can see where probably some people then would buy into that. Right. Cause if you just go yeah. and do talk therapy, you just kind of vent out everything that you're feeling. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of it, they're like, okay, you're good now. It's like, okay, great. <laughs> I can do whatever. I can wow. go jump off. Yeah. I can go jump off. I can fly. I can fly. Have you guys ever watched, uh, is it the superhero movie or something? It's with oh. Drake Bell. It's like a spoof on Spider-Man and like the X-Men. No, I don't Ah. think I have either. I've seen those kind of movies, though. Yeah, it's a dumb movie, but there's a scene where Tom Cruise is in it, and they (laughs) he's like he's like I can fly, I can fly, and then it's like a cut to him jumping off a building, and then it's like Tom Cruise has died. (laughs) 
can fly. Okay? I can fly. This just in, Tom Cruise is dead. Uh, but so that's... saved him, probably. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, this is very much from that, I believe, uh, which is funny. Yeah. Oh, dear. Um, it's very fitting that he was acting as that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. He's a weird guy. I'm not going <laughs> to dive into his psyche right now, but uh, that'll be part two. These ideas were outlined in the book Dianetics, The Modern Science of Mental Health, which was published by Hermitage House on May 9th, 1950. Thanks to Hubbard's fame as a science fiction writer, it soon became a national bestseller. In particular, it was popular among college students and Hollywood celebrities, both of whom formed groups dedicated to studying and practicing the system. Hmm. Hubbard's claims became increasingly outlandish as the, the number of his followers swelled. Apart from saying Dianetics cured his war injuries, he also claimed that cancers such as leukemia were caused by enograms and thus could be completely healed by adhering to his program. Yeah, there's the grift. <laughs> no, no, no. Sir. Yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> almost every cult uh, or cult leader I have discussed has claimed to cure uncurable diseases or viruses or anything like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. People still have them. Hmm. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> it's, it's weird that uh, we haven't gone <laughs> that yeah. way to cure them all. Funny how you can't just wish away COVID. <laughs> yeah. You can try, but uh, it's not happening. It's not going anywhere. You can try Alberta, but God damn it. It's not going to work. That's <laughs> <Shots> fired. <laughs> In one instance, Hubbard said, quote, Leukemia is evidently psychosomatic in origin, and at least eight causes of leukemia had been treated successfully by Dianetics after medicine had traditionally given up. The source of leukemia has been reported to be an enogram containing the phrase, it turns my blood to water, end quote. I don't know. He, Do you say that and you're cured? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is one of those things where he's getting paid by the penny, and so he yeah. just... <laughs> Any every answer just is like seven hundred words with yeah. no reason behind it. I find it interesting that this man who didn't complete college and mm -hmm. didn't go to medical school didn't failed, failed out of science uh, at yeah. college. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now knows now leukemia is caused cure cancer. Yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. It, it's an interesting theory i guess we'll call it <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's 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 conspiracy <laughs> question yeah mark? yeah we'll go with conspiracy yeah it's just yeah. It, it, it reads like one of his science fiction novels you know what i mean like yeah and, and that's definitely where many of his ideas come from and should have probably been read as just science fiction you know probably um, but unfortunately there's probably people out there that are uh, heavily following it yeah that consider yeah. it science a lot of people, actually. The widespread <laughs> popularity of Dianetics alarmed the scientific world with hundreds of scientists and medical professionals publicly criticizing Hubbard's theories. Esteemed organizations such as the American Psychological uh, Association and Science America also dismissed his ideas, saying that they were far from factual and were nothing but empty promises. Despite these criticisms, Dianetics continued to spread. Its popularity was exacerbated by the national tours that Hubbard conducted through the early 50s during which he gave lectures and seminars about his system. He also asked for huge donations, which many were willing to give. Oh, no. Yeah, I don't know if that surprised anyone. <laughs> no, not surprised, but also not happy about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. His second wife would explain, quote, this was in a later interview. Uh, she explained, quote, these people were paying $500 a piece in the 1950s for training in Dianetics. I felt he was stealing from people he began to believe he was a savior and a hero, that he really was this God figure, end quote. That's a lot of money back then. <laughs> That's a lot of money that back then. That is a lot. That's American That's a... too. So. Oh. <laughs> yeah. These people Even, really believed, apparently. Yeah. They really believed, which... Unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. You feel bad for them. I mean, they are... You feel bad because every time I do one of these, it is people that are... People who have leukemia or diseases yeah. that are life-threatening. And so they turn to every possible avenue and that gets them mm -hmm. looped into these cults or grifts as as i like to call them but uh yeah it, it's sad and it's it hard it's hard to because you try to explain reason to them but they're so caught up in trying to feel better mm -hmm. that to them it's like well 
every other reasonable outcome I've tried hasn't worked. So I'm going to try this because this is, I'm going to rationalize it now. When you yeah, can't. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like they're hail Mary. They're just like mm-hmm. this. Nothing else has worked. Might as well try for it. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Among those who fervently supported Hubbard's cause was Don Purcell, a millionaire from Wichita, Kansas. So we don't have to feel bad for this guy. He's a millionaire. Chump change. To him. Yeah, he's probably responsible for terrible things, but <laughs> he agreed to pour his money into building a Dianetics foundation in his home state. However, he had a falling out with Hubbard shortly after. Unfortunately for Purcell, his original agreement forced him to personally cover the sizable debts that had been incurred by other failed Dianetics organizations. And in February 1952, Purcell, along with the other directors of the Dianetics Foundation in Wichita, filed for voluntary bankruptcy. Ooh, <laughs> ooh, not a good look, yeah, my friend. Yeah, millions, millions of dollars down the drain <laughs> for this bullshit foundation, I guess. Yeah, it is a foundation, but... Is it, though? Is it a foundation? They call it a foundation, I guess I should <laughs> <Yeah>. say. <laughs> Technically, <laughs> anything can be a foundation if you just call it that. <laughs> yeah, if you run with it, it yeah. can be what you want. Exactly. Yeah. Hubbard was undeterred and established the Hubbard College on the other side of Wichita, so he could finally complete college. <laughs> no, the only no, way he, The only yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If you can't complete college, make your own. Make your own. That's the Donald Trump way. Uh, <laughs> one of his staff members was 18-year-old Mary Sue Whip, whom he obviously married shortly after divorcing his second wife, Sarah Northrup. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. His increasing fame had put a strain on their relationship, and he was more than happy to have her out of his life. I'm sure she was... Just as happy. (laughs) Likewise. Yeah. She's like, me too. Where do I I sign? (laughs) Their separation was far from amicable, though, just like his first one. According to the 2015 documentary Going Clear, Hubbard kidnapped their young daughter and fled to Cuba, where he asked a local woman to help look after her. However, the woman's mental issues prevented her from caring for the child, and she resorted to keeping the young girl in a makeshift cage. This is very drastic. Yeah. (laughs) It gets worse. Uh, It gets worse. Gosh. Oh, my God. (laughs) Recalling the ordeal, Northrup said, quote, Hubbard called me and told me he killed her. He said he cut her into little pieces and dropped the pieces in a river and that this was my fault. Then he called back and said she was still alive. And this went on and on and on. End quote. He's a sociopath. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Northrup, I think, eventually gets custody of the child but definitely not a definitely not a good breakup by the sounds of it i kidnapped an alleged murderer yeah (laughs) yeah not a good person yeah i don't think his mental thing is doing very very well (laughs) benefit from some mental health yeah maybe go to a real psychologist instead of um what what were they called those stupid uh, auditor that's what they are auditor right right right. yes 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 i I forgot about it because it is not a psychological term. <laughs> yeah, not a it's not an actual thing, but yeah. we knew what you were saying. Yeah. It's a tax thing. <laughs> just go to your tax person for your mental health. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just call you. them up. Uh, I think tax people need, people who do taxes need the actual help <laughs> mentally. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's a very stressful job. Um, <laughs> only six weeks after Hubbard College opened its doors, Hubbard shut it down and moved in with his third wife to Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> he's really successful he's, yeah he's he really gives his all every project he does doesn't really, he really really afraid of commitment in <laughs> all all assets of his life oh, it's trash he moved with his third wife to phoenix arizona where he established an organization called hubbard association of scientologists international however this wasn't enough for him because he can't sit still for two goddamn seconds yeah and on February 18th, 1954, Hubbard filed incorporation papers for the Church of Scientology of California, the first ever official Scientologist organization. According to the website History, quote, the shift from Dianetics to Scientology included a focus on humans as immortal souls that are trapped within multiple bodies through various lifetimes. So reincarnation, kind of. Okay. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, I, mean, I get it, but I don't. <laughs> Yeah, it's not a new theory. After purging the reactive mind of past trauma scars through the auditing process, an individual can become clear, a concept from Dianetics that represents a major goal in Scientology. 
Those who go clear are believed to have reached a higher level of ethical and moral standards, greater creativity, and control over their environment, and even less susceptible to disease, end quote. So you're less susceptible to disease. I, I find it interesting where it's like, okay, once you audit yourself, you are now better than everybody else. Basically, it's, it's the same concept in most cults where you pass initiation, you're now better than the initiates and you know right. you go up from there, right? It's, it's just a different version of it. It might be the first version of it because it is very early on in the like, cult history. This is such like a pyramid scheme too, if you think about it, right? That's yeah, yeah. Well connected. Most cults are pyramid schemes, uh, just in disguise. As basically, uh, (laughs) yeah. In short, Hubbard had transformed his ideas on self improvement and spiritual awakening into an actual religion. He described Scientology as quote the study of knowingness. It increases one's knowingness, but if man were totally aware of what's going on around him, he would find it relatively simple to handle any outness in that. End quote. (laughs) A lot of gibberish again. <laughs> yeah. Trying to get up that word filler. <laughs> yeah, word filler. Trying to get those pennies. Yeah, I think that almost honestly changed him for the worst. The, the yeah. writing words for pennies. But basically, he, he's saying like, if you know yourself, you can know the world around you, basically. Which, like, Which I, I guess is kind of true, but. Yeah, if you're, if you're self-aware of who you are as a person and trying to understand the rest of the world, then I guess could be easier, but. He doesn't know everything. Yeah, he just, yeah, yeah, well, that's the thing, right? You only have one perspective of life. You can't know everything about anything else with just one perspective. Exactly. That's very true. (laughs) Very deep, very deep, Alex. Uh, Meanwhile, the Church of Scientology's official website claims that their teaching contains answers for every question that humankind has ever had. Quote, Contained therein are answers to life's most profound mysteries. The enigma of existence, the riddle of death, the realization of states that even described in earlier literature. Also from these works come Scientology technologies to rear children's, repair families, educate, organize, and provide relief in times of illness or suffering. End quote. So just reiterating the same thing, but you know, in better terms than Hubbard. Yeah. <laughs> they have a marketing person on staff to just decipher what he's saying. <laughs> exactly. They're like, we need to hire someone to help make <laughs> this make sense. Can anyone do this? Can, can anyone help us? Just quotes, of course. Much like his book on Dianetics, Hubbard's Church of Scientology became incredibly popular, especially among the Hollywood elites in California. In 1956, the government officially recognized it as an actual religion, which meant that it was exempted from taxes. This significantly increased Hubbard's profits, especially since he was charging exorbitant amounts for memberships. For instance, members were required to pay around $300 a session with the Scientology auditor, who would guide them through their past experiences to eliminate any negative influences. Hubbard claimed that multiple sessions were required before someone could completely eliminate all painful traumas and experiences from plaguing them. So basically, they're paying for mental health treatment with people who are probably not trained to, to do no. this. Mm-mm, mm-mm, no. And <sighs> just for reference. So for example, when I go see my counselor for a 60 minute session, it's about $141 Canadian. You're so. telling in 20, <laughs> yeah. In the 21st century. So you, this, this gentleman, this uh, mm-hmm. trial equivalent is charging $300 per session with an untrained, unregistered person. I'm not even going to say professional. Yep. Not professional Because they're not professional <laughs> uh, to be audited. Yeah. And I wouldn't even be surprised if these were an hour long. Like It could just be like oh, yeah. 10 minutes. 15, 15 <laughs> minutes to get out. Yeah. <laughs> You're cured. Bye. Yeah. Yep. See you next week. Uh, that'll be another $300. And yeah. uh, Who has the credit money back then? Exactly. The Hollywood wow. elites. That's why they were oh, in it. Yeah. <laughs> or government uh, officials and stuff. Yeah. Once an individual was able to achieve this, he was considered clear and could move up to the church's more advanced levels, eventually becoming an Operation Theatin, or simply OT for short. But do you guys know who won't charge you an exorbitant amount of money for a fake therapist? Who? Who? The products and services that support this show. They will charge you a fair price for their products or services. (laughs) I hope. I hope. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If we get a Scientology ad on here. Yeah, could you? <laughs> <laughs> Just Tom Cruise. 
please just, join the Church of Scientology. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to take a minute just to take a quick break from talking shit about Scientology to hear a word from our sponsor, the Church <laughs> of Scientology. Scientology. <laughs> that would be an excellent grift. I should have planned this out better. <laughs> uh, you know what? 2022, I see bright things. Yep. Yep. <laughs> All right. Here are some ads. And we are back. Hopefully you guys didn't get ripped off by our products and services, but I have vetted them, so they should be okay. <laughs> nice. Good. It's time to dive into the rise of Scientology. As Scientology became more popular, individual churches and missions were referred to as orgs, began popping up all over the country, and soon spread overseas with chapters established in New Zealand, Australia, and Europe. This, however, would prove to be Hubbard's downfall. According to the website History 101, while Hubbard's following was expanding, Hubbard began to grow more desperate to preserve the image of his church, presenting his ideologies and thoughts as they emerged. Many of his statements through the 50s and 60s contradicted or discredited his earlier teachings, such as condemning psychiatric practices despite employing them with his, within his own theology. Hubbard, um, not a good <laughs> yeah. look, not a good look, my friend. No. Hubbard was chasing his lies in circles, and as his group began to experience major controversy, his impulsivity and eccentricity became forces to be reckoned with, end quote. Oof. Yeah, so he's Oof. now becoming a problem for the Scientology elite. <laughs> it's funny because he's always been a problem, but everyone's True. kind of fed into the problem. But once that problem has gotten just bigger, they're like, yeah. see the red flags. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is going to have to cut big red flags. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to have to cut this guy out. Uh, <laughs> the widespread popularity of Scientology also led to an increased scrutiny from public officials in Australia. In Australia, the government deemed it as, quote, a serious threat to the community medically, morally, and socially, and its adherents sadly diluted and often medically ill, end quote. The United States government shared these concerns and in 1963 authorized the FBI to raid the Church of Scientology in Washington, D.C. There they, they discovered that Hubbard had secretly been taking millions of dollars out of the organization's coffers, which led them to losing their religious tax-exempt status. So they Is actually lose it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I was waiting for the FBI to get involved. So I can use the FBI. I'm like, okay, here we go. She's <laughs> getting yeah. real. It's interesting because I didn't actually know they had, I knew they had tax exempt status, but I didn't know they lost it like they had it and then lost it. It takes a while for them to get it back. And we'll, we'll go into that, I believe, in part two. That, that, that'll okay. be covered. But in response to this, Hubbard established the C organization, which I do want to cover in full in a later episode. I guess it'll be a standalone. <laughs> so C, like the letter C or S E A? No. S E A. Interesting. And you'll see. So the C organization was a Church of Scientology chapter based on the open waters where members <laughs> lived abroad aboard three ships that he had purchased. He initially believed that this would prevent governments from getting at him and his group. However, this wasn't the case. For instance, the Greek government asked Hubbard and his three ships to leave the island of Corfu after they had remained there for an entire year. <laughs> uh, the Sea Organization was also turned away after attempting to dock in Morocco. Members who joined the Sea Organization were required to sign a contract stating that they would remain loyal to the Church of Scientology for a billion years. What? Oh. I feel like it's a problem. Like, first of all, you're in like international <laughs> water. So like the whole being the sea thing is a problem. Yeah. yeah. It's I could see it being hard to uh stay afloat. Ah. Ah, ah yeah. I like I, that. Yeah, I, I will now just <laughs> leave. I'll leave the chat. It's fine. And that's the end. I know I said I have a part two, but that's it. Uh, we're yeah. cutting it off there. Yeah. The episode is done now. <laughs> we're canceled. Uh that is <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's an interesting contract to sign your life away for a billion years, but uh, it doesn't matter in the end because uh, many of them were pr promised an idyllic life on the ocean. However, they were instead met with dirty clothes and linen, as well as little food and long working hours. Hubbard himself didn't last long, of course, and in 1975 left the cruise ships for good. <laughs> he couldn't even stay on board with his own freaking plan. Can he finish anything else that he like creates? Yeah. No, no he can't. Uh -oh. <laughs> 
He's a fucking wild guy. <laughs> yeah, he's like, you know what? This sounded like a really good idea. Yeah, I think I'm just gonna leave now. Yeah. I think I fucked up. Yeah, he, he definitely has some sort of like ADHD. He has to. Oh, like he just a thousand percent cannot sit still. Um, no, he's yeah. I don't know. He's a he's an interesting guy. But well, Hubbard loved being regarded as the charismatic leader of the Church of Scientology. He decided to spend most of the 70s and 80s away from the spotlight. This was a strategic move by then, since the governments in the United States and Europe were chasing after him. <laughs> <laughs> I to wonder say, why. Yeah, I wonder why. To save the church's reputation, Hubbard launched several projects that aimed to infiltrate the federal government in order oh. to dispute their investigations. Mm-hmm. We will go into these in part two, but the most famous one was Operation Snow White. <laughs> I mean, the man's got some interesting names. Let's just... I can't, we can't deny that. No, no. Yeah. I guess it's like a sleeper cell kind of thing. I guess if that's oh. what you call it, like oh, Snow White, so she sleep. It's yeah. kind of clever. I'll give it to I him mean, for that. <laughs> he's not stupid, but he's just not consistent and he's a little unhinged. And yeah. by little, I mean a lot. He's off his rocker, basically. Yeah. <laughs> he needs some <laughs> real therapy. Um, yeah. So during this time, Hubbard's health deteriorated. And he suffered from a number of serious health problems, including a heart attack and a pulmonary embolism and the injuries that he sustained in his motorcycle accident. I'm sure I butchered what that was, but... <laughs> no, it is a pulmonary embolism. Oh, you okay. okay, nice. Yeah, we have our... Yeah, that the health person. The over health here. person. Every episode where there's something like medically related <laughs> and we record, if I say it, Christy's like, no, no, no this is how you say it. That's handy on a true crime podcast where it comes it up really a lot. It really has helped uh, a lot. If you need her expertise <laughs> yes she is someone you so, can use so what is that uh it's a blood clot in your lungs so then your like lung oh. can like it arced and you can't breathe very well that explains uh okay that that makes sense because it explains the next part so no. uh these were exacerbated by his unhealthy lifestyle not only was he obese but he smoked constantly even going so far as to task a team of teenagers to hold out ashtrays for his cigarettes <laughs> I mean, the constant chain smoking. <laughs> oh, can you imagine the tips? Yeah, so just giving teenagers secondhand smoke is an excellent, <laughs> excellent way no. to go. You know, I wonder if he ever considered doing his own personal audit and clearing. And like, Ooh, no, he he was clear. Okay, <laughs> how dare you question? <laughs> I question know his mental state. Oh, um, bad, my bad. Sadly, or not so sadly. Probably not so sadly. <laughs> On January 24th, 1986, 74-year-old uh, L. Ron oh. Hubbard passed away after suffering a stroke. Mm-hmm. By then, he hadn't made an official public appearance in over six years. He was cremated with his followers scattering his ashes at the sea. In the sea? On the sea? Sure. One of, one of those. Something to do with a By boat. the sea. By the yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's... he he. <laughs> Maybe he did need those billion years. He needs those people out there. (laughs) (laughs) Hubbard's death, however, didn't spell the end of Scientology. Rather, it marked the beginning of a whole new era for the church. Today, its ranks include high-profile corporate executives and Hollywood celebrities. It also now has more than 11,000 local chapters in 184 countries, with many claiming that at least 4.4 million people are recruited each year. Wow. From his humble beginnings in the Midwest, L. Ron Hubbard managed to turn his ideologies into religious organizations that now boast an international presence and millions of members. Thanks to his charisma and aptitude for propaganda, the Church of Scientology remains a force to be reckoned with. And that is the end of part one of Scientology. So what did you guys think of L. Ron Hubbard? Um, He's a piece of work. (laughs) Once again... He's giving me Kyle or Chad vibes. I think he could have benefited from seeing a psychiatrist. A real one. A real yep. one. Yep. Just interesting. But it, the red flag's kind of right off the hop. It's like, ah, now I get it. <laughs> I see why he is the way he is. But Yeah, and why the church is the way it is, too. Yeah, no um, kidding. Why it is so toxic. Comes from a toxic mind, so. Yeah. Um, it, you can obviously see how, like, it is, a, when you look at it from outside, you're like, how do people fall for this? But then people in it, you're like, well, I can well, kind of see a little bit. So like, yeah. depending on like how yeah. desperate are your views or whatnot. Exactly. And and that is, apart from like the Hollywood elite and the people that had the money and were not mm-hmm. sick or ill, 
the people that were preyed upon for their illnesses and, and things like that, it is hard to blame any of them for, for joining. But we will do the cult critique segment next week when we finish part two. Alex, Christy, please tell Fred, my audience, where they can find <laughs> Weird Distractions podcast and uh, tell, tell the people what it's about. Yes, we're just a weird podcast of friends. Basically. <laughs> Two peas in a pod. Two peas in a pod. You can find us. We're on like various platforms. If you just search us, we're on Apple, Spotify, Google, all that good stuff. Lots of media that Alex does great. Instagram, Twitter, TikToks. Yes. And awesome. yeah. Yeah. Just, we're out there. You search us. We'll find us. Yeah. And <laughs> for those listening, if you like the sound of our voices, that's cool. Um, we talk about <laughs> true crime, conspiracy theories, paranormal stories, folklore, urban legends just kind of all about this all about that yeah basically and we rotate those topics each week so for example we one week we'll talk about true crime case next week we'll do paranormal the week after that conspiracy theories we haven't we've only done two cults on our show i'm just realizing that mm. now we've done on. We, can add, we can add to that list <laughs> yeah no yes. for sure I, I there's definitely a lot more out there that i know we, i think we'd want to cover but we've only talked about the alamo or not alamo oh my gosh susan <laughs> I was gonna and, say, i've never heard of that call <laughs> <laughs> the alamo you know uh no like alimony no no Tony <laughs> and susan alamo i can't remember how to pronounce their name it's been mm. so long and then we talked about the Ant Hill Kids. That was like our very yeah. first episode. Yeah, we yes. went hard. <laughs> yeah, that is, a, that is an intense cult. Very intense. Yeah, we, we decided, to, you know what? Let's just come up with a bang. Yeah, let's just <laughs> yeah. make everyone depressed listening to us. But yeah, if, you, if that's your vibe, if you want a distraction, that's that's gotcha. <laughs> we got you. That's where you can find us and tune in. And thank you so much for having us on. We're super excited for part two. Awesome. Yeah, so, so definitely go check out Weird Distractions podcast. They are the only other Canadian podcast on the Cultivate Network. Uh, we need to change that. True. But until then, we need to stick together. So, that, so yeah, definitely go check them out. It's incredibly informative. Funny at many times. <laughs> where, <laughs> where it shouldn't be funny is the thing. Where it shouldn't be funny, yeah. somehow make it funny. But that's because... We're dark. We're dark. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that's this podcast, too. So if you like this yeah. podcast, you will definitely like their podcast. Speaking of which, if you enjoyed this episode, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Good Pods, and now Spotify. That's right. If you're listening on Spotify, you can finally rate the podcast. If you really love this episode and can't wait to hear part two, go to patreon.com slash cultivate podcast network or use the link in the show notes to get access to Scientology part two today, as well as a ton of other bonus content from shows on our network. Thank you, Fred, for listening. And thank you, Alex and Christy, for joining me today. See you in Scientology Part 2. Yeah. See you there. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Audible. Have you been wanting to read more, but don't seem to have the time? Well, with Audible, you can read your books without having to find the extra time in your busy schedule. Stuck in traffic on your way home from work? Why not marathon the Harry Potter books? In the gym and want to learn about the First Lady? Well, you can listen to Becoming Michelle Obama while doing Leg Day. And if you go to audibletrial.com cultivate, you get a month free of Audible. That includes one credit that you can trade in for any audiobook of your choice, access to thousands of audiobooks free to listen to with your account, and best of all, you have access to all of your favorite podcasts in the app as well. So be sure to go to my link, audibletrial.com cultivate. That's C-U-L-T-I-V, the number eight, to sign up for a free month of Audible and start reading today. Thank you, Audible, for supporting the show.